Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast. Today, I have a really special live episode with you today. What are the legends in the technology industry? Today, I'm joined by Jeff Barr, who has been working in the software industry since 1976. Since then, he has worked at a variety of large and small organizations, served as VP of engineering for startup, worked at Microsoft and Amazon, and worked on his own as an entrepreneur. Today, he's the chief evangelist for Amazon Web Services, the largest cloud provider in the world, in the world, where he gets to tell the AWS story to audiences all over the world. And you know, today we're going to get really geeky. We're going to talk about tech. We're going to talk about AWS and also how he got his start in the technology industry. And more importantly, what are some of the trends that he's seeing in the cloud industry or just tech in general right now? And his tips and suggestions for anyone that's looking to start a cloud computing company or a software as a service company. And really, you know, what are the essential skills that leaders like Jeff or like you who's watching right now that's trying to build a business need when it comes to leading very distributed teams in a remote for first world. So I'm really excited to start this conversation with Jeff. And without further ado, let's go ahead and bring him on the show. Hey, Jeff. Already happy to be here, Tim. Thanks for the great intro. <laughs> Thank you for finding time to be on the show, man. How are you doing? How have you been hanging there during COVID-19? You know, it's a really interesting time because I actually do love to work from home. And mm -hmm. in, even in, in pre-COVID-19 times, which seemed like 50 years ago, as far as <laughs> I, know, I would generally work from home, I'd say almost half the time. And sometimes I would even go to the office for the morning and do the things that were best done in person and then walk back home and continue on from there. Um, now it's all these four walls of my home office there. They're, they're great walls and they're made exactly the way I want them, but sometimes they feel like they're just kind of closing in a little bit. And yeah. I've found it's it's more important than ever to make sure that that I get out, that I spend mm. time with my wife, that we spend time online with our friends. Yeah. The the sun comes up really early now in Seattle. So I I try to leave the house at six and take my dog for a couple mile walk, just fresh up in the morning. Um, it kind of points out to me one thing really important right now. It's very important when you are possible when you're working from home to let your job stretch into the whole day. Mm. You have to be, I think, very, very conscious and a bit disciplined yeah. and say, okay, here's my starting point. Here's the stuff I do to switch myself into working mode. Yeah. I'm working for a bit. And maybe I do some homing from work, as we now like to say, in the middle of it. <laughs> but at a certain point, say, you know what? I'm actually done and I'm closing my laptop. I'm maybe walking out the door and hitting the light switch may give yourself a little mental reminder that actually there, there mm -hmm. is a somewhat discrete boundary between your personal time and your work time. Yeah, no, I think that's so powerful, Jeff, because especially now, you know, people are trying to recreate um, their boundaries due to the fact that everyone's working from home now. You know, I would love for you to share a little bit more about how long you've been working in the tech industry and how you got your start. You know, you're, you know, Taban, my co-founder, mm -hmm. and I, we're huge fans of your work, you know, and, and Taban is a huge fan of what <laughs> the work that you've done and, and, and the legacy that you've left in the, in the tech industry. So I would love for you to share with our amazing community, you know, how long have you been working in the tech industry and how you got your start in it? Okay, um, one quick thing is, has my camera frozen for you? It looks like it's frozen for me here. It, it looks as if it has frozen, yes, on my end. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to switch to my other camera and okay, no worries. see what happens. Let's switch to that one and turn that one on. Okay. Oh, perfect. All right, 
I've got a high-res camera right behind my laptop, but occasionally I think it produces such high-res content that the laptop can't always keep up. So we'll just mm -hmm. switch to backup laptop camera. Oh, let's see. Anyway, so so background. I got started in tech really young, and the the thing that I, I remember from the early days, I I actually was working in a, a local computer store in Seattle, in a little neighborhood called Green Lake. I I got this really fun after school job when I was a teenager. Wow. And I was the my official job. I think my official store title. I think my friend said I was going to be the the janitor. He brought me in. <laughs> the the actual excuse he said, well, you can come in the store and do a couple of things to be useful. And you can have access to, to the computers. Now, that this was 1976, 77, when simply going hands-on with an actual computer for more than a few minutes was a really tough thing. So what it turned out to be that I would actually do at the store, I, there was never like actually like pushing a broom or something like that. What I mostly spent my time doing was all these boxes would show up full of new books and new magazines. And I would just unpack all these things and put them on the shelf. And as I'd unpack them, I would look at the title and flip through them and say, oh, that's kind of neat and kind of interesting. Very quickly learned to keep track of the industry just by simply reading all this, this great information as it was mm. passing through my fingertips. I'd, I'd put it up on the shelves. I'd do my best just to read little bits and pieces. Sometimes I'd borrow something for the night and bring it back the next morning if I wanted to read it on the bus. <laughs> So this gave me a great sense of the tech and of the industry when I'm when I'm still I think I was I was in 11th grade at the time and and then also mm. between 11th and, and 12th grade so I've, I've got this good sense of the tech I understand it pretty well and as a result when customers would come into this little tiny store and start asking questions about the these and this is the days of the Altair and the Imsi and processor yeah. technology yeah. style these these things you actually now see in in actual museums that I, wow. I was there at the the dawn of this. So people would walk in and start saying, so I see this thing over here and I see this and will this connect to this or can I do this? And the other store employees maybe hadn't spent as much energy in studying as I had. So yeah. I'd say, go, go talk to that, that kid over there in the corner. He knows what's up. And, <laughs> ask questions. and I found my niche of simply understanding things and being able to explain them explain them and actually yeah. just enjoy that being that bridge between here's some really cool tech and here's a customer that needs to know something about it yeah let me do my best to understand this person who they are where they're coming from mm. get a sense from the question they ask of where are they are they totally brand new and just wandered in out of interest or do they already have some level of understanding and then yeah. just quickly yeah. tailor the way I talked to what it is that they need to know and explain it. And four, four decades later, I'm kind of doing just about the same job. So. Yeah. <laughs> Every single day. And, and you love it. So, yeah. you know, and so, you know, early on in your career, did you feel as if you had to try multiple things out to realize that, hey, this is the sweet spot for me being that evangelist, that technical communicator for people who may not really understand what's happening in emerging oh, industries? Absolutely. And that, that, that's a really good question because early on in my career, I was at a startup and I was VP of engineering. I was helping to build the products, but there was a sense within the company that our products were so awesome that we really didn't need an actual marketing team. And <laughs> I never actually agreed with this philosophy, but the founder had this, he thought it was like, wow, the if we build stuff that's awesome enough, people will just show up. And I'm like, yeah. that's really never ever worked in the whole <laughs> of business, so, right? So I took it upon myself to just always take conference invites and go out and and do the same thing again. Just simply go out, go in front of audiences, 
explain what we built and what it did and how it mm -hmm. would benefit customers. And back, back, and this was probably 80s, early 90s, the idea of a title of an evangelist was just coming into, into visibility late in that yeah. time period. So there, there wasn't an actual job description for what I did. And yeah. just, and it, it's interesting, our industry's evolved a lot because just a couple of decades ago, it was a lot more important that you actually were in a very well-defined position and a role, and it was mm. something of a standard role. I, I think now, maybe because I'm more mature in, in the field or the field has changed, there's a little bit more room to invent your own position and your own, mm. and make it your own versus just saying, well, we need to really fit you into a, a predetermined job description. Yeah, and build your own brand too, right? Because you know one of the things that's really awesome about you is that you're known worldwide as Jeff Barr because you have an amazing <laughs> brand and you really have you built a really amazing community as well. Oh, well, thank you. So, yeah. so I, I actually I, I do agree that it's part of what you get to do is to build a brand, but I think as a coming from the tech side, there's a really delicate balance you have to strike. Where no, to me, it's about you do your job really, really well, yeah. and then you do some neat stuff on the side to enhance your brand. Yeah. I, I think you have to walk into the job saying, my, my primary job is to spread word about this cool tech. And if I, yeah. can, if I can create an identity and a brand as a nice side effect, I think that's good. I've occasionally seen people come in and say, okay, the evangelism is all about me. And, mm. and they try to focus on themselves versus on the tech and on the customers. Yeah doesn't tend to end well you you want to just do your job and then yeah. and then very very judiciously as part of that so okay well i'm i'm gonna stand for this and i'm gonna do this and one thing i've found for example in my twitter feed my twitter feed's probably about 80 percent of my work stuff but the other 20 percent might be walking around seattle walking with my wife walking our dog yeah. um my uh, my lego hobby my 3d printing hobby stuff like that just kind of give a sense of other things I care about as a person, yeah. kind of just fill in those little details. And that 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 hopefully makes me a bit more interesting, but also <laughs> maybe create some some good points of conversation where people yeah. say, oh, I, I see you do this, or I see you've got this kind of dog, and does yours behave like this, and kind of interesting <laughs> things like that that are just make, make you more than just, just the, the corporate person. I love it. I love it. Shout out to Jeff for that. So shout out to our co my co-founder and our CTO at Guy, Taban Cosmos. He says, hey, my friend, Jeff Barr, so awesome to see you on our podcast. Good vibes. Thank you so much, Taban. Shout out to you. Much love, hey, brother. Man. Shout out to Pete Smith, who is saying greetings from Texas, an excellent, an excellent career story from Jeff Barr. Shout out to you, Pete. Thank you so much for tuning in, man. Mr. Robert Walker, accounting professional, who has tagged Niyama Gyalmo. Nice to meet you. Shout out to you all. I'm happy you all are having a conversation in our comments. You know, Ricardo Smith is asking. He's a software developer at Infosys. He's asking, Jeff, what are some of your favorite publications? Oh, wow. So publications are a whole lot different this decade than they were for most of my career. So so back back in my computer store days, there was this awesome magazine called Byte that published for a couple of decades. It was, that was the magazine everybody would read to make sure that you knew what was going on. So there was Byte and InfoWorld and quite a few others back then. And you'd eagerly look forward to those every month to say, okay, what's the, what's the newest and the latest and greatest? I, I'm not quite sure what today's equivalent is. And for, for most of my computer tech stuff, I generally start either on, on Reddit or on Hacker News and just find links to interesting articles from there. So you get a very eclectic mix. 
I do find that one thing that's a little bit troubling is I spe- I do a lot more short short form reading than long form reading. And I used to be someone who was always had like five books going and I'm always kind of reading different things in parallel. And I don't know if it's the world has changed or I've changed, but I'm, <laughs> I find myself reading a lot more short form content than longer form content. Mm. And I've actually had to do a little bit of just internal course correction and say there's, there's so much good longer form content that there's something about today's world that things that are a couple thousand words long are more digestible than than chapters and entire books. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's looking for bite-sized quality content, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. And you know that that's a really interesting comment because one one of Amazon's leadership principles we have we have fourteen leadership principles, and hmm. one of them is called frugality. And yeah. most people hear about frugality and they think about it in terms of 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 money. But when when I'm writing my blog posts and when I'm working with the other bloggers. We actually think of frugality in terms of audience time. And so mm. we, we try really hard to make sure that we get all the facts across, but we don't produce posts that are multiple thousands of words long as we go. Mm. It's it, As they always say, it's much easier to write something long than something short. And so we try very hard to be complete but concise. And it turns out to be a really interesting writing skill to yeah. get, get all the right details in, but not get just too too flowy there, there, there's a sense when a, a blog post gets too long yeah instead of it, people just park it off on a tab and never ever get to it so we try it's to practice true. it's true it's true i love that i love that <laughs> shout out to shagun who's saying greetings from indiana great insight jeff and tim thank you so much shagun for tuning in shout out to ricardo who's saying thanks jeff you're very welcome thanks a, for okay <laughs> and and uh uh, thanks, Jeff, for answering my question. So, you know, Jeff, I would love for you to kind of share a little bit more about, you know, post-COVID-19, every organization is looking to adapt now, right? Everyone's going remote first. You know, you've mentioned that you've worked from home for quite some time now, and, you know, now you're being forced to even more so due to COVID-19. You know, what are some of the technology trends or even organizational trends that you're noticing or keeping an eye, out, eye of in a post-COVID-19 world? Great question. And one thing I, that underlies a lot of this to me is that we all have to be awesome communicators. If, if we want yeah. to earn the trust of our colleagues and if we want to say we're not going to get together in person face to face and we're not going to have somebody looking over our shoulder to make sure we actually show up, I, I think a sense of responsibility and then mm-hmm. a really good ability to communicate to your peers and to your management, say, OK, this is what I'm up to. These are my accomplishments. These are my challenges. Because the the if someone can't see your work, it's only what you tell them and what they can see that's actually the results that you produce. Mm. I think it's really important to communicate. I, I think that we're also learning that so many things that we thought were best done in person, there's some kind of a reasonable online substitute that mm. maybe some of the things that we see right now, they're they're brand new. We're still trying to figure out, is this the right way to, to do it? I, I try to be really understanding and encouraging of all these new kind of efforts I see where someone says, here's a, a thing that used to be, we used to have to come see me in person and now I've invented this new way to do it online. I think as a, as a fan and a consumer, you want to recognize those efforts and give people a lot of feedback and encouragement and make sure that they recognize the fact that they're actually innovating sometimes under very, very difficult circumstances and mm. cut them a little bit of slack, give them some time to innovate be do your part as the consumer to say okay 
this is what you tried. This is what worked. This, these are some parts I think that maybe you can you you can think of are the different ways to do it. Yeah, no, that's powerful. And I think you know what I love about what you said is that now we have to level set on really good, effective communication methods that they'll trust, right? Because we're now work now that people are working in a remote environment. I love what you said. The you know proof of work is only what you tell and show. <laughs> Right. And I think for us, even with within Guy, we're really adamant about the fact that you have to show your work. You know, Taban and I, we're always saying, OK, look, I just completed this or I've just done this. Right. So that's just a way for us to keep each other in check and hold each other accountable on um, the progress that we're making. And I, I feel as if that's powerful. Do you think that, you know, because Amazon has really powerful leadership principles. So you all have been, you know, kind of adhering to them for quite some time. Do you think some organizations are going to have to reconsider um, how they how they think about communication within their workforce? I really think think they are. And like the, it, it seemed to me that at the point when, for example, in Seattle, when Amazon pretty much said it's time for everybody just to, to stay at home and work from home, we had been doing so many conference calls. So we have an app called Chime that we use internally and that we also mm. make available to customers. Be, before before the, um, the beginning of March, we did Chime calls all the time, but we always did them in audio form. And it Chime has a, an actually a really good video conferencing feature as well, with, with no actual like corporate wide directive. We mm. spontaneously all decided that yes, we're all going to do video chat. Like it just yeah. spontaneously happened. And being able to see my colleagues in in their natural environment has, has actually been kind of interesting because some of us have a luxury of a home office and we can define exactly what our working space is. Others, their children are still at home. In addition mm. to being workers, they're now giving, they're giving, they're do, having to parent, they're having to be teachers and disciplinarians during the day. You see that pets mm. often like to intrude and just kind of pop into calls. And it, it actually, none of that bothers me in the slightest. And in fact, it, it reminds me that everybody is dealing with some different kind of really just crazy situation. And I just need to be really really understanding and empathetic and just do more than my part to make sure that I can, if, if mm. someone's got a challenge and I've, I've got colleagues where they have no, they've got no actual um, childcare for their young children. Yeah. So the, the partners are basically alternating two hour blocks on and off. So one is caring for the children, the other one is working. I mean, imagine what that does for your ability to focus when it's yeah. two, two on, two off for, for four shifts throughout the, the day. Mm. And it makes empathy more important than ever in today's day and age. I think so. I mean, there, there's there's some really interesting challenges. I think of what what conveys and what doesn't convey when we're on the screen. And I, I've got some friends that do telemedicine. They're in they're in healthcare, and they tell me that dealing with people um, in in crisis and getting body language and what they say and what their mm. body tells you can be two different things entirely. So they're learning really a new set of skills to to say, okay, I'm, I'm talking to this person and something's not quite adding up. I need to have a little bit more, I need to ask some more leading questions. And interestingly enough, the experiments that I've heard so far, the results have been very positive, that, that a lot of this telemedicine has led to, to better results. And some people thought it was just a substitute. I, I've got a a friend who is a sleep doctor. And so wow. in the in the past, you know, in, in the past, his patients would visit him and you know, he's got his nice wood paneled office. I'm sure it's really, really nice and fancy and really dignified and everything. 
he can't go in, he can't see patients. So he's seeing patients remotely. And mm. he said that not only is it effective, but that he now has this ability to ask the patients, well, maybe it's something about your sleeping conditions, that mm. your environment isn't quite right. Would you be okay giving me a tour of your bedroom, basically? And show me, mm. show me your lighting conditions, show me what else. And apparently, this has led to some better outcomes for his patients, where it's like, oh, you know, your, your window shades don't close all the way. You know, actually, wow. a real challenge here in Seattle, where we're, we're, we're far enough north that the sun comes up very, very, very early in the day. And yeah. So th those kind of things, you, you would think, okay, first it was a disadvantage, but then we quickly find out, oh, there's actually this interesting surprise that we didn't know about. So I'm, given that a lot of my job is about recognizing creativity, recognizing mm. innovation and encouraging it, there, surely there's, there's massive amounts of, of displacement and dislocation, and there's a lot of awful things happening. And I, it, my heart goes out to everybody and I, I'm doing what I can to, you know, help in some of those situations but at the same time these disruptions come in and it shakes up everything and it then gives some new opportunities to people and wow. I, I i i try to stay positive and say okay here's a, a new a neat new thing i saw and let's let's encourage that Let, let's be a really good fan of, of this new way of of living and see if there's ways what we can take away from that to to help make our future better yeah, I love that, Jeff. I love that so much. So shout out to Camilla, who's saying, hey, Jeff, wonderful <laughs> to meet you. Hi, Camilla. Congratulations on Amazon jumping into high fashion with CFDA. Will AWS be adding technology to help its retailers retail supporters? Huh, that's a really interesting question. And I, I wish I knew more to say about that. I'm not even quite sure what CFDA is. We're a, a really big company. And <laughs> actually... It's thoroughly impossible to know all the different kinds of neat things that uh, that go on. Um, I, I'm I'm not actually really aware of of what we're doing in that space at all. I, I do know that there's there is a lot of of thought, not just within the company but the industry at large. Of if you can't go to a store and 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 try things on and see how they look, what what is the next level to do that and a uh, personal shout out my my daughter grace actually works for a, a an ar vr startup where she is wow. doing, she's doing just that where she's actually able to hurt her the company she works for they are doing things like virtual shopping where you can actually on your app you can wander into the store and you can see the shelves and you can expect inspect goods and make purchases and so forth and so there there's there's always room for technology to jump in and the, the the thing is, there's a lot of things that a quarter ago we would have said nobody would do that. That's why why bother? Yeah. And suddenly we're now <laughs> we're now pushed into this really interesting corner that says we're we're in our houses. We've got in a lot of situations we've got really good communication. We've got an almost literally captive audience of people that are desperate for something to do. We we've got good quality communication. In lots of situations. Mix it all up and what. What interesting thing might be able to come out from that? So I, I, I think just like in, if you look back in history, both kind of human history and almost like archaeological history, and you say, okay, well, there were cataclysmic events that have happened in on the Earth, you know, asteroids and meteorites and things like that, and forest fires and earthquakes. In the wake of all that, you then get new growth. And I, I think we're we're gonna. That's what we'll see. Like here in Seattle, we have Mount St. Helens, which I, I guess was about forty years ago. Mount St. Helens erupted, big volcano, the top 
1200 feet or so of the volcano disappeared lava flows and all everything around it was burned burned to a crisp but in the in in that clearing of all the the dead trees and dead vegetation something new springs up and uh, that that's the the hope that i that keeps me going just kind of thinking thinking like that i love it great question camilla uh so she is building a company called savitude and she's really interested in the ai design um Mm -hmm. um, whole thing to help eliminate excess excess inventory for designers because they don't like Mm -hmm. developing or dealing with that problem so taban asked is what taban (laughs) is mentioning what i love about jeff is that he loves human connections and relationships and believe me i've learned a lot from jeff with his love for his family and friends beyond just a smart guy an absolute great great person to have as a friend shout out to taban showing love to jeff and if you all have any questions for jeff on leadership as well as what other trends he's keeping uh, eye out for. Make sure you mention it in the comments. So, you know, Jeff, I want to talk to you a little bit about to, to, to the entrepreneurs who are out there watching us. You know, what are your recommendations for entrepreneurs who right now they want to start a software as a service bu- business on AWS cloud, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is a great time to do it. I, I think that <laughs> we've, got, we've got awesome tech. And like I said before, we've got this captive audience. I, I do really think that people are are more receptive than under normal conditions to something new. And you, you look at the number of video apps that we're all using on a regular basis. And yeah. I look at the number of different video things plugged into my computer. And I, I it, within the last two months, I've I've used probably six different applications. Like we're using StreamYard right now. I've used five or six different apps to do various kind of call-ins. Yeah. We're, we're, we're learning all about how to optimize for video. We're learning how to do video production. Lots and lots of different parts of our houses are now turning into these either impromptu or well-designed TV studios. It's so true. Right? We're, yeah. we're suddenly thinking, wow, what, can I broadcast from my office or my living room or, or my, my bedroom or my bathroom sometimes? I've seen people <laughs> in their, their garage. And the, the, the there's these new situations that are out there. And like, what, what can we do to make that? more um, more efficient to, mm. to make uh, enable things that couldn't have happened before. Like one of the interesting things, just, just to throw out a totally, totally random idea. Uh, there are events in Seattle I used to go to that were live events and you go to the live event and there's a nice big audience and there, there's a, there's a, it, it's a lecture, it's a musical performance, it's comedy, it's a concert, whatever it might happen to be. When you're the performer, you get this awesome sense of your audience out there and you can see the people. And if you're, if you're a first class performer, you absorb their energy and you, you build up that energy in your audience. And you then that, that encourages you as a performer to be even better. And the, the, the thing that's a little tough with a, a, a broadcasted event, you don't get that same sense of audience. So presence. Yeah, the, the audience, the presence, the ability for the audience to applaud and give you feedback. So I think there's some really interesting ideas there for, is there a way to add on to existing apps and communication tools? I don't even know what it is, a, a, a fake audience, a virtual audience, a, a <laughs> app to do applause and thumbs up and thumbs down to performers, just a, something that says the audience is out there, they are responding to what I do, and they're giving me some kind of, of feedback in a in a in an interesting way. Yeah, just no. random idea to kind of throw it out there. Um, 
So I, I would take advantage of the fact that people are in this just new uncharted water. They are may, maybe they're more open than usual to trying out something new, and that this is the time to to, to find one of those needs. Now, what, one thing that we always do at Amazon is we don't have a traditional R&D lab where we invent mm -hmm. random cool stuff and then send it off to the world to see if the world likes it. We're always saying, find some customers, talk mm -hmm. to those customers, really understand their needs. Make sure that you actually understand the problem to be solved. And then we, what we do, we call it being backwards. We say, start from the customer and work backward into an actual solution. So mm -hmm. we're always, at, at any point when you talk to a new team and they're building something with it, with it on AWS, they will be able to tell you, this is the kind of customer we're building for. And if you dig in a little bit more, they will say, here are the 50, 100, 150 customers that we talked to, to get a, a really deep sense of what this problem mm. is all about. Now, it, that doesn't mean that the first iteration of anything we launch is gonna meet the needs of every one of those customers. Part of being yeah. a product designer you have to make tough choices and you have to say, yeah. here's a long list of things we could do. Reality has to actually step in and say, we're going to just figure out what is the, what is a subset of those that we're going to do just to get, get things going, get that mm -hmm. initial version in front of customers and then iterate very quickly to fine tune it based on their feedback. Preach, preach, Jeff. <laughs> I love that. And you know, I, I'm, I'm often having to tell people that every single time on LinkedIn <laughs> is that the, the, the beauty of the process is this, it's in the iteration, it's in the development. And, you know, you want to make sure that you get it just right, that minimum viable experience, right? Mm -hmm. As uh, as you mentioned, working backwards from the customer and they say, okay, what's that minimum viable experience that they deserve? And then you can build upon and, you know, continue to add value. Exactly. So, so we actually have gone a little bit past minimum viable and we actually do mm. MLP. We call it the minimum mm. lovable product. So wow, minimum viable, you can you can tune down to the point where you can convince yourself that yes, it's good enough. We think minimum lovable is a little bit of a tougher threshold to make sure mm. the first one we launch, will people truly love it? And we actually ask ourselves in, in our review meetings, is, is this is this one actually lovable yet? And do we have the right things? Or, you know, sometimes when you are making tough decisions and you say, well, mm. this feature is a little tough, but if you hold down this button, then you go over here and do this other thing, and then you wiggle a little bit, it's a workaround. You, you can convince yourself, but the customers aren't going to always see that level of effort yeah. as, as worthwhile, or they're never going to remember it. Yeah, it's all about what does the customer love, yeah. <laughs> not what you yeah. love. You want them to have a great experience with, with that first yeah. one. A, a manager I had a long time ago said that software you build should actually be kind of like a, an arcade game or a pinball game mm. where you, you put your money in for the first time. That first quarter you spend, you should get a really good experience out of it and say, okay, that was worth it. But mm. there should be a lot of depth behind it so that you can actually in – you can spend months or years actually mastering that game and keep getting more value out of it. But, th but that first experience actually has to be a, a worthwhile one so that you're, you're thinking I should come back and, and keep on trying. Mm, powerful, powerful. I love that. So shout out to John Healy, who is saying, love the adopt adapt adaption to MLP, minimum level lovable um, uh, a product. I love that too, John. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a new one that I'm going to have to add to my arsenal. So Jeffrey is saying, hey, Jeff, What's your opinion on startups, pharmacies like PillPack and Capsule? Oh, um, wow. I, I wish I knew enough to actually s say anything about either one of those. I, <laughs> uh, 
the, the this is a, a kind of odd, but I I don't actually end up consuming a whole lot of medication on a regular basis. Mm. I've, I've just fortunately been really healthy, so I, I know a lot of people have chronic needs for medication and have to that they really they really need a, a steady supply of medications. I'm just by just genetic accident haven't ended up needing a whole lot in the way of regular medication. So I'm I'm not. I'm not the target customer for those, unfortunately. Fortunately or unfortunately. <laughs> Great question, Jeffrey. Very interesting. A lot going on in health tech right now. So yeah. definitely see why you asked that. You know, so uh, Amazon continues to dominate the cloud computing space, Jeff. You know, what are some of the things that you think you all have gotten really, really right that allows you all to continue leading the pack? Okay. So interesting enough, we, we would never talk like that internally. We, we never yeah. – we, we are very – we never pat ourselves on the back. We never say, yeah, yeah. we've got this. We're done. We're the best. We, we, we tend to be pretty humble about our mm. accomplishments and always realize no matter what we've done, there's always a lot more that we, we can be doing. Yeah. It really does come back to solving real customer needs and yeah. going all the way back to the very, very beginning when we launched things like S3 for storage and EC2 for compute power. Those were two very at this point now seem very obvious kinds of things, but they were revolutionary when we launched them. We launched S3 and we said, this is storage for the internet and yeah. very, very simple thing. But people looked at that and said, yep, I, I see that. I, I see the value in there. And we're, we're now many, many years. We're well over a decade into S3. We still continue to add features to it. We still continue to, to, to innovate mm -hmm. from there. And the same with EC2. EC2 we launched that in 2006, and we still continue to launch new features, new instance types, mm -hmm. we, we new, new ways to scale, new ways to, to build more and more reliable systems. There's always room to make any of these things even better. Yeah, humility. I, you know, and I love the humility that you, know, you, you, you mentioned that Amazon brings to the table when it comes to developing these solutions, right? You never want to get high on your own supplies, they say, and no, always, no, no. always be, always be obsessed about the customer. And I think that's a, I love that perspective. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that is more important now than ever is as leaders, if you're leading a distributed team, humility, and also that empathy that you were talking about earlier is really important that you bring into the, into the business and product development process. So everyone understands that, you know, the end goal and the end cap outcome is how does the customer feel? It, it truly is one thing I I love about the fact about our customers in particular, mm. and Jeff Bezos has said this before. He says the customers I, I don't know his exact phrase. I think he said that the, they are wonderfully beautifully dissatisfied, something yeah. like that. It's it's kind of like no matter what we do for them, there's always something more they can ask for, and we yeah. love that. We love the fact that we we launch something and right away. Now, a, a lot of my earlier career before web services was was more in package software and shrink wrap software the there were so many challenges with doing software in that way because you would you'd build it and then at, at some point mm -hmm. in the, the development process you do beta testing it took a long time to get feedback from your beta testers at a certain point you would say i'm finished and we're going to actually start manufacturing we call you called the gold disc and you start yeah. actually replicating and then you'd actually get that into boxes and you ship it to customers you'd it would take months and months and months to actually have this feedback hmm. cycle work. If, if customers bothered to find you and send feedback to you, it was you were already well into planning and execution of your next dev cycle before you could actually hear back from your customers. Wow. With web services, you build something, you put it online. The first 24 hours, you can actually start looking at usage metrics and say, oh, we, we, we launched it yesterday at noon. And today at noon, how many 
users did we sign up in the first 24 hours and how many yeah. objects did they create and what did they do? What feedback did they leave on Hacker News and Reddit and did they tweet that out? <laughs> so you, you get this incredibly tight feedback loop, which which we love because we get the information. And mm. part of the, to me, the if you want to be kind of a, a good customer, maybe that's a yeah. weird word yeah. to say. If you want to be a good customer, send us lots of feedback. Like don't, <laughs> don't sell and use it and just say, yeah, this, this is good. This is good. And just, and don't kind of wish in your head that we need to add a new feature or do something different. Let us know. And mm. I, I think almost anybody building products would, th there's always this sense that surely somebody must be doing the feedback, but yeah. if everybody thinks that then nobody will. So you want to actually be that, that person that reaches out and, and does the feedback or makes the complaint or does the, the bug report. It's, I, I have this weird personal philosophy. I call two is better than zero. What does and, it mean? Okay. So um, the, the thing is that there's a lot of times where you might, and I, I noticed this a, a lot on my walk to the office, back when I walked to the office, you, you, you see like, um, um, I don't know, water leaking from a, a pipe on the street or you yeah. see an abandoned car or you see something in need of some attention. And it's so blatantly obvious that you think, surely somebody would have reported that by now. Yeah. Then you walk past yeah. it for a couple of days and no one actually has because they all thought that. So I would I decided that when I see those things, I will almost always figure out the right way to make some kind of a report to whoever can take care of it. On the sense being it's far better that the the that agency or person gets two reports and gets zero reports. And so <laughs> So just it, it's a, it's a simple little thing to do in almost every case. Like in Seattle, we have this really cool phone app called Find It, Fix It. So if mm. you're walking down the street and you see something in need of maintenance, if you see a broken sign, if you see water seeping up from the street, you stop, you take a picture, you put in a little report, you send it in through the app, they send you a ticket number, and you, they'll even call you and say, hey, we investigated and we checked this out, and this is – this is what happened as a result. So there's actually a problem here. Yeah, and and they're often just little things, but it might be a, a little thing that a hundred people walk past and, and no mm. one bothered to actually say something. So I I found that always being that person that just takes that little extra couple seconds to to do that report is worthwhile. Two is always better than zero. I love that, yeah. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for being on another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. A guide podcast. You know, what is one inspiring takeaway that you want to leave to our amazing guide community? Oh man, inspiring takeaway. Um, I I think we're in a historically unique time, and I, mm. I think everything seems unbelievably crazy right now. And because it, it is, um, take advantage of this moment of rapid change, and you know, make sure that your physical security is good, and your family, you and your family are good. From there, figure out if, if you've got energy to create and innovate and mm. move something forward into the future, this is this is a, a time to do it. And yeah. if you do something really cool and want to share it with me, please reach out and let me know. I'm, I'm very easy to find online and love to hear from people. So I love it. I love it. This is the time for you all to create, innovate, and build the future. I love that, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming on our show and being it's such an inspiring uh, leader. And please make sure to follow Jeff on Twitter, where he shares a lot of photos of his dog <laughs> and his wife and his walks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim. All right, Jeff. It's good to see you, man. Uh, Bye. Bye-bye. Like <laughs> it was fun. Awesome. So if you love this most recent 
episode of the Unleashing the Future of Work A Guy podcast. Make sure you check us out on our website, utfow.com. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor for a future episode, we truly appreciate you all for tuning in. And once more, like Jeff said, if you're right now building something that you love and are passionate about, build it, create, innovate, and don't give up. Uh, this is the season and it's the time. And more importantly, leverage AWS cloud software to do it. All right. With that said, peace, love, and talk to you soon, community. Bye.